John chapter 14, verse 27, reads like this. Peace, I leave with you my peace, I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. And I love this. I have never noticed this until recently. He said, if you loved me, you would rejoice because of what I just said. You would rejoice because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass that when it is come to pass, you might believe. And everybody said, Amen. Peace I leave unto you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. And if you loved me, you would rejoice. Praise God. I want to talk to you for a little while tonight about how to live with what's next. Amen. How to live with what's next. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. There is no question tonight that peace is one of the most valuable possessions that a person can have in life. I rate it above money. Amen. I rate it above fame. As a matter of fact, I don't know of anything in this world that can alleviate the the, the need for peace. And there is no amount of anything that you can possess in this life that can alleviate the lack of peace. You can have all the money in the world and have the most troubled life. You can be the most learned person on the face of the earth and have a miserable existence. You can be the most famous person. You can be the most well-liked. You can be chosen uh, to be in the who's who of whatever society would recognize and still be internally a miserable and wretched person. And so again, I say to you that peace is one of the most valuable possessions that any of us can have in life. And there is no substitute for it. And there is nothing that you can substitute for it. Nothing that can take the place of genuine Peace. And somebody said amen. It is a truth according to scripture that God wants you and I to have peace. He began chapter 14 by saying simply, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And He continues throughout the 14th chapter on that same note of peace and confidence. It is true that a troubled life 
is not God's will for you or I. A tried life, yes, but not a troubled life. But trouble is what many people are experiencing, and some maybe even here tonight, distressed, disturbed, frightened, lacking the courage to face whatever it is that you're going through, unsettled. Uh, There's a number of words that I could use to try to describe what it is, but the Bible says that it's simply trouble. Everybody say trouble. A troubled life, a troubled home, a troubled marriage, a troubled relationship. Whatever it is that causes distress and and, uh, causes a person to be frightened or afraid or unsettled, that is not the will of God for your life. Somebody said amen. God's will for my life is not to be troubled. Tried, yes, but not troubled. There's much in life that can disturb and destroy our peace. There are many things that can challenge our peace, but none that can do more to us than the fear of what is next in life. The world is powerless in their efforts to uh, help us for good. And in our text, Jesus had, in his conversation with his disciples, had been speaking things that were extremely disturbing to his disciples. They were shocked, as a matter of fact, to learn as they listened to him that life as they had known it was not going to continue that way. That there was a change coming and that things were going to be different. And there is, there is no doubt in my mind, according to the response that you read from the Lord, that these men, their minds were immediately filled with questions and there were a lot of fears and there was certain anxiety that came with what they heard that life is going to change. It, what you've been accustomed to and what you have been uh, you, you've adjusted your life to over the last three and a half years. Is It's going to change. It's not going to stay the way that it was. And that disturbed them and that troubled them greatly. But Jesus' response to that was peace. I am going to leave you peace. Not as the world gives or as the world leaves things. But I, I am going to give you something. I am going to leave you with something that will get you through the part of life that you don't know. And that's what's next. Amen. Does anybody here right now know what's next in life? God has something to help me get through what's next. Now why or how could peace be so powerful a resource that when Jesus, all of the things that he could have said to them, all of the things that he could have reminded them of, he chose to focus their attention on one simple thing, and that was peace. Peace I leave with you. Peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, but 
I give you something that will truly make a difference in your life. And the reason that peace is such a powerful resource is because peace in its simplest definition, and listen to me carefully, is the possession of adequate resources. That's what peace is. When you know you've got enough, you don't care what's coming down the pipe. Amen. That's peace. If you're Bill Gates and the stock market crashes, that doesn't bother you because you know what you have. And the stock market's not going to destroy what you have. It may affect it some, but it's not going to destroy it. And so it is in God's kingdom. There is something that he desires all of us to possess, and that is his peace, which is a knowledge that whatever, and go back to what I said earlier, whatever has happened in your life or whatever is happening or whatever is coming down the pike, whatever's coming down the road, whatever is next in life, Whatever it is out there that's fuzzy right now and is indistinct and you can't put any kind of description on it, God said, I can give you something that will help you get through and live through and even enjoy what's coming next. Amen. Wouldn't it be nice if life could be ordered the way that we order Starbucks? Wouldn't it be nice if you could just mix it and match it the way you liked it? Put the ingredients in it that you wanted. Wouldn't it be great if you could mix and match the ingredients of your life and future to your specific likes? Give me a tall decaf brew of a long life and make it non-frustrated and full of laughter and no tears. Wouldn't it be great if you could order life like that? Amen. The truth is life many times hands us concoctions that are completely different than what we ordered. Mixtures of things that were not expected, like a job loss or a marriage failure or a personal meltdown or a health crisis, or maybe not a job loss, but a work change. How would you like to live in whatever that city in Pennsylvania where the mayor just made a decree that everybody was going back to minimum wage? How would you like it if life downsized you just like it? You know, I, whether it's constitutionally uh, he's already done it. The paychecks have already gone out. Now you can say, well, they're going to get it all back. They might, but the truth is life is like that. Sometimes we're going along at a $25 an hour wage and something happens and turns upside down and the next thing we know, just in order to keep a job, we're willing to settle for $14 an hour. So you learn to adjust and you learn and so life hands us concoctions that we, we didn't order, work changes and financial crises. And we feel sometimes as though God got us mixed up with somebody else because this is not what we ordered. But life cannot be ordered so. 
And you and I know that even though we would wish it were different. Life comes fully caffeinated. It comes full of surprises. It comes filled with transitions. It comes with all kind of alterations and diversions. And life is so full of change that we often wonder, what's next? I mean, what's going to happen now? And the fear of what's next troubles us more than any of us want to admit. Life is filled with that. Life is filled with seasons. I never thought a whole lot about it until recently, but Solomon had an insight on life and living that few people have. He was the wisest man who ever lived, and though he made a fool of himself with a lot of his choices and decisions, there are aspects about life that it that would do all of us good to go back and read. When Solomon wrote the book, or a great portion of the book of Proverbs, and, and Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, even though it is a, a, a very negative book in some aspects, and it was written toward the end of his life, uh, and it was in truth a, a perspective of a bitter old man looking back over his life and seeing all the mistakes that he had made and all the failures and the flubs that he had made. And he makes these, de- but the things that he says about life are so penetrating and so powerful. But one of the things that he said in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 was that life is filled with seasons. And we, when we think of seasons, we think four seasons. We think of winter, spring, summer, fall. But if you read Proverbs or Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there are no less than 28 different seasons that Solomon mentions. A time to live, a time to die, a time to get gain, a time... You, you know, anybody heard anything about that? There's a time for this and a time for that. And so life has many changes, not just summer, winter, fall, but there are many other things that go on in life. And God dispenses life as he manages his world, as he manages the universe, and that is through seasons. And no person in this building is exempt from living through the seasons of life. And no one is exempt from the surprises that these seasons bring. Amen. When it comes to earthly things, we understand God's management strategy and we accept it. We don't panic when winter turns to spring or spring turns to summer or summer turns to fall or fall turns to winter. We don't don't throw up our hands and say, oh, what's going to happen next? We accept it because we know that's part of God's operation that's part of God's strategy for this world there's part of the death and the renewal and all of that's necessary but when it comes to our personal life we do not look at our lives in those transitions in the same way and oftentimes we panic when changes come into our life when life is bounced by change and things are turned upside down We don't know what to do, and we fear what is next. If you're not careful, you can get in such a negative frame of mind that it affects your health. 
It affects your outlook on life. I've seen people at certain stages in their life, they are the most morose and downtrodden people you've ever been around. And you don't even want to get close to them because they just reek with that spirit and atmosphere and attitude that that nothing is right and everything is wrong and gripe and complain and, and criticize and nothing makes them happy. You can't make them smile if you kissed them uh, with a million dollars. You couldn't make them smile. Some of you thought I was going to say something else, but it just life has a way of affecting us like that. And life has a way of causing us to wonder what, what next? What, you know, and some of us have even said it. What, what's worse than this? Well, we know in our minds something worse than this could happen. And a lot of times it does happen. But so it was with his disciples. They didn't know what was next. And when Jesus sprung this on them, he'd been telling them about all this stuff. You know, there's a lot of things that God tells us about life that we don't listen. I mean, he's been telling them all along, I'm not going to be with you always. I'm going to go away. You know, I've got to go away. And he's trying to prepare them. And and just going right over the top of their head, they're so enjoying, they're they're so into all the miracles and the wonders and the sights and all the power that was being displayed and how God was using them that they could not see, they could not hear what God was saying and speaking into their lives until that moment when he's gone. He's not just in a grave, but he's been taken up. And they have to face the reality. And so it is with us. There's a lot of things about our own life that God tries to speak to us along the way. But we're too busy and we're too enamored with other things to be listening. But oh, there comes a moment when we come face to face with the reality of life. And when life is filled with that kind of uncertainty and we don't know what's next. What Jesus spoke to these disciples was so very needed. What does peace mean? It simply means that when life is bounced by change, listen to me, God always sends someone to stabilize us. He said, I'm going away, but I'm going to send the comforter. Now, he wasn't talking about another person. If you read on, he, he's actually talking about his spirit in a different Himself in a different form, a spirit. The Holy Ghost was going to come. But what he was saying was that whatever the change is that's before you, whatever is out there that you don't know, God will always bring somebody or something into your life to help stabilize you during that time of transition. God will always. Sometimes it is the power of the Holy Ghost. And that's all that stabilizes us. But oftentimes, God sends people into our lives. A friend that, that comes at the right time and they say the right words into our life and they speak the right things. We're negative and they counter our negativity. And, 
Instead of getting mad at them, we need to listen to them because God sent them into our life to help us get through whatever is next. And what we don't understand, we need to get our ears open and say, you know what, God, if you sent them into my life, I want to hear what they have to say. And I'm here to tell you tonight that I don't care how life bounces you around and what kind of changes are coming down the pike. God will always send somebody into your life to help stay you during that troubled time. Amen. And more often than not, if you just have the Holy Ghost, you've got all that you need. Amen. But God is better than that. He'll give you friends. I leave you a gift, he said. Peace. Peace of mind. Peace of heart. You don't have to be afraid. And you don't have to be troubled. Amen. The second thing that peace means is that you're entering a new season, but you're entering that new season with an old friend. Much will be different about life from this point on, but one thing remains constant, and that was his presence. His presence. If you're looking into a new chapter of your life, you'll be looking at that new chapter with an old friend. Amen. Praise God. If you're facing change in your life, there is one thing you can count on. There is one that is with you that is unchanging. So no matter what comes, what is next, whatever is coming down the road, I have an old friend that's with me. Peace simply means that he wants us to know that he will never, that we will never face the future without his help, whatever that future is. Did you hear me tonight? You will never face the future without his help. Never. I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you nor forsake you, but will go with you even to the end of the earth. I'll go with you to the very end. Whatever that point is, God said, I will not leave you. So peace simply means that God will never bring me into a new situation without his help. Amen. Somebody ought to say thank you, God. God's simple message is this, that when everything else changes, God's presence never does. Your journey into the future is in the company of the Holy Spirit and presence of God. Amen. And the last thing that I want to share with you is that peace simply means that God will always leave you better than he found you. Amen. How many of us know tonight, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that we're better today than we've ever been in our life? Amen. Praise God. I may not be what I need to be, but I'm sure better than what I was. And that's the way God is. God will never leave me worse than I was. The world might, but not God. The world always, let me rephrase that. The world always will leave you worse than you were when you embraced it. 
Always. Always. But God, God will always leave you better than he found you. Now I understand, you understand, he didn't really leave them, but the fact is he did say, I'm going away. And so in one sense, he left them, but he did not leave them without making them better. So what are we to do? We should make friends with whatever is next. And how do we do that? I've got to go back to what I read earlier. This is how you make friends with whatever is next. Are you ready for this? This will blow your mind because, well, maybe it won't blow yours, but it blew mine. What will help you in whatever is next is just simply falling in love with him. He said it, he said, you have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again. And that's what had caused him all the trouble, whatever was coming next. I'm going away and I'm coming in. He said, if you loved me, you would rejoice at what I just said. So I've learned something about God is that as long as I stay in love with him, there is no change and there is no whatever is next that I cannot live through or overcome or make myself a better person in if I fall in love with him because he's already ordered the future and he knows what's coming down the pike. And if I'll just stay in love with him, he will see me through it. You don't have to fight it. You don't have to resist it. You don't have to hate it. You don't have to be mad about it. You can accept it because it's a necessary part of God's strategy for your life. Even when tragedy strikes, a company downsizes, positions are eliminated. When the chapters of life change and loneliness comes and suffering is laid on your doorstep. When you wonder what's next, listen to what the Word said. 2 Corinthians 4.17 For our light affliction is but for a moment. It worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now let me read that from the New Living Translation. It says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Now let me ask you, is it worth what you're going through? It is for what you're gaining. These troubles and sufferings of ours are after all quite small and won't last very long. Yet this short time of distress will result in God's richest blessings upon us forever and ever. And somebody ought to say amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. So what does peace help me with? Peace helps me so that I can be calm in the midst of the storm. Because when you have adequate resources, you don't worry about the storm. When you have a well, you don't worry about drought. Amen. So peace helps me to be calm in the midst of a storm. And it also helps me to be joyful in tribulation or trouble or distress. That's what some of us need to learn is to put a smile on our face again. Amen. 
Hallelujah. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Not rejoice when you feel like it or rejoice when everything's going your way or rejoice when your check-in account is full or rejoice when all your bills. But he said rejoice in the Lord always in whatever is happening in your life. Whatever's coming down the road, learn how to rejoice. And when you have the peace of God, when you're in love with Him, there's a peace that comes with that love. And that peace will make you joyful in the midst of your tribulation. You'll shout, you'll worship, you'll clap your hands. You won't come dragging into church. You'll come walking in. You'll come marching in because you know this is going to pass. It's not going to last forever. Amen. You may be in season 28. Amen. Amen. And we all know this, that it's not really going to be that long until it's all going to change. And that change, according to what Paul said in Corinthians, will be worth everything. And when we look back over our life, we'll say, oh, that was nothing. That, that was nothing. It'll help you living right now if you understand that. I was talking to a friend of mine today. And uh, he was telling me about some of the things he had been going through. And he had gone to the church to pray the other day. And he was distressed. And people were leaving his church. And, and tragedy was, had come. And several other things. And he said, I had become a little cynical. I'd become a little, uh, okay. When I look at a new person come in the church, wonder what they're going to do to me. And he said, I got down and started praying. And he said, God started taking me back through his word and reminding me. He took me to Jeremiah chapter 1. He said, Jeremiah, I want to tell you a little bit about who I am. I knew you before you were. I, I knew you. I marked you before you were even born. I knew what your limits were because I created you. Amen. He said later on, he said, I know the thoughts that I have of you. They are thoughts of peace and not of evil. I want to give you an expected, or I want to give you a successful conclusion to all of this. And when you start going through and remembering that all things work together for the good to them that love God, who are the called according to his purpose, it changes your whole perspective. When you go through and remember that neither life nor death nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come, it, it, light, darkness, it does a scary microphone, nothing separates me from the love of God. Nothing can take away that peace and that confidence that I have in my heart that whatever's coming down the road, God knows. And as long as he knows, that's all I need to know. When I have peace, it'll make me patient in my suffering. Not pathetic in my suffering. Not whiny in my suffering. Oh, Not grouchy in my suffering. Not mean in my suffering. Make me patient in my suffering. Because I know that this is part of God's strategy to bring me to a better place. Amen. Patient in suffering. You know what I just feel like right now? I just get this sense in the Holy Ghost. I might need to do a series on that right there. 
patience in suffering. Patience is not a virtue, somebody said. And I will tell you this, none of us were born with it. Patience is a virtue, folks. Now, our world doesn't believe that. Our world believes that if something's not going right, you just kick the door down, run them off the side of the road, pull out your gun, shoot them, and walk on. That's what the world says. But the Lord said that there's just some things in life you're going to have to endure. But if you'll endure them, they'll make you a better person. And they're working something that's going to last a lot longer than the trouble how about that? That God's got something else working that's going to last longer than your trouble. And so being patient in our suffering, praise God, patient in our suffering, and jubilant even at the loss of whatever is temporary. Temporary. All of this is just temporary. But we can be jubilant. We can, we can understand that it's just, it's just part of an ongoing drama that's about to come to a conclusion. And you don't want to miss the finale. Praise God. When you don't know what is next, you need to learn how to smile because He does. Amen. And love Him and walk with Him and worship Him and praise Him, amen, serve Him, sacrifice for Him. Why? Because He knows. He knows what's next, and He's already got things under control. What we all need tonight is a good saturation of the peace of God. Amen. It'll change your perspective on life. It'll change the way you feel about what you're going through right now. It'll take away the trouble out of your heart. It'll take away the fear out of your spirit. It'll bring courage back to you. Praise God. You know what God can't help? God cannot help a quitter. God cannot help anybody that throws up their hands and goes back. But God can help every man and any man that will say, you know what? I can make it through this. Amen. I'm going to make it through this. Praise God. I didn't order this. It isn't what I wanted. Not what I had in mind. It's not how I envisioned my life to be. I had somebody tell me not long ago, Brother Hughes, the thing that troubles me so much is this is not how I envisioned my life to be at this point. At this point in my life, I thought it would be but it's not. And so we struggle with what's next. God said, I'm going to give you something that will help you live with what you don't know, and that's peace. And peace is simply knowing that He knows. And if He knows, that's enough. Let's stand together.